The following podcast contains spoilers for Starman. You have been warned. What is podcast? It's uh, it's, it's, it's like a radio show that you can access at any time. You know, just on the internet. Don't need to listen to the entire internet or the entire radio show. Define radio show. Jesus Christ! Shut up. <laughs> Greetings, and welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Magusto. Define Miguel Magusto. Greetings. This is how you doing, Glenn? <laughs> I'm I'm doing great. I'm feeling out of this world right now. If you yeah, apparently tell. Jeff Bridges is the only one that can do that and not be super awkward about yeah. it. Yeah, how, how did the man do it? How did he do it? We'll get into that in just a mm. little bit. But Glenchman Button, yes, I I'm a little worried about your movie selections this week because I didn't see much on on our Instagram stories. There, there was there was a handful. It wasn't mm. really like a you know. The biggest handfuls in the world, but I mm-hmm. felt I felt them in my hands. Um, <laughs> Good to know. So uh, I actually had started out my movie week with uh, with one that I, I I saw with you, my little my little lover man. Oh, uh, yes, I came, yes. O- came over. We were very healthy men. We 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 saw each other in the face of humanity, and then. Even though nobody else was around, even though one person was around besides us, <laughs> and then we watched Minari. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we which, did. Which was an amazing film. Very, uh, very, very beautiful. The the cast was excellent. Mm-hmm. I love Stephen Yeun. He's a handsome son, bitch. Yep. And the uh, Alan which, Kim is adorable. And the most adorable little dude in the world. Yeah. And the story was just super excellent. I loved it. Uh, and then we got to hang out, which. Hangout, which was also a prize of its own in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I watched Career Opportunities, which is a movie that I think I talked about for like very brief moment, and uh, I don't know when or why I did it, but I'm pretty sure I talked about it. It's got Jennifer Connelly and and Frank uh, Whaley or Whaley, however you say it. Um, it was directed by Brian Gordon. Uh, Pretty much everybody knows this movie from the one scene with Jennifer Connelly riding like a mechanical horse. Oh, is that what that's from? Yeah, that's that's the one. The Uh, super, uh, the the most sensual a mm -hmm. kid's ride has ever been. Yep. And uh, (laughs) so I watched it. Had a nice little surprise with John Candy in it. So that was that was awesome as well. You gotta love John Candy, especially Um, when you're not expecting him. And (laughs) I love the reviews for this movie. Because a lot of them are fives and four and a halves and just like, mm-hmm. and then you read the comments and it's, it's, it's kind of cringy because they're like, Jennifer Connelly, white tank top, Netflix HD, you got my five stars, baby. It's just like, oh come, my on, God. come on, buddy. But <sighs> like, without all that, that cringe, like I understand, like she's a, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. She's, and she's got the assets of a <clears throat> And everyone's beautiful. thinking what they're thinking. They're just yep. not saying it out loud. But with that out of the mind, this actually was kind of a fun movie. Uh, That's good. Uh, John, or Frank Whaley's character is is like a 
you know, uh, what's the word for it? He a pathological liar, uh, mm-hmm. a, like a ninety nine percent of the movie, and uh, he gets himself into a situation that he can kind of talk himself out of in a way because he's a pathological liar. Um, it, I thought it was just a fun movie. They're trapped in Target. They're both like kids in their minds, just doing just random shit. And I, I thought it was a fun little movie. I gave it like a three, three, three and a half stars. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was going to be worse. I'll just say that. I thought the only thing about it was just going to be Jennifer Connelly riding a horse, and I'd be like, well, I did my part. I mean, if that's on a loop, mm-hmm. I'll watch it for like a minute. Cause, Absolutely. you know, got to change things up. You got to. <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, I watched, uh, besides our movie, I watched uh, Trees Lounge, which came out in 1996. It was actually directed and written and played in uh, uh steve buscemi did this mm. this little number never heard about the movie in my entire life and then i was just like well i just watched star man maybe i'll watch something else while uh you know while i'm setting up until five o'clock when we do the podcasty poo yeah and uh it was actually a pretty decent movie um it's about a guy who kind of basically kind of struggles with uh, alcoholism he's always at a bar his relationships his friendships are kind of ruined because he's just like this guy's always at a bar. He's always drinking, and he always makes up an excuse as to why, like, why he won't quit. He's like, "Oh, well, if this was a thing, then maybe I would quit." And it was a pretty cool movie, but uh, I wouldn't say it was absolutely the the best thing in the world or anything like that. Um, there's there's kind of a like a, a good chunk of the movie where it's like, ooh, because uh, you know he gets involved with a. Uh, 17-year-old at a certain point. I'm just like, kind of check out. But it goes it goes with the character, it goes with the story, so it made sense. It's trying to kind of just be, creeps you out a little bit, you know? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. So, besides Starman, that's all I watched, Mike. What about cool. you, you sexy man-beast? Well, I watched uh, nine movies and a few true crime series and a, do- uh, a series based on a true crime and then a tv documentary about north korea so i watched a lot but i'm only going to go over the movies okay <laughs> just to save time uh first movie i watched uh was malcolm and marie Ooh. uh that is a movie that you hailed as a great film mm-hmm. uh i did enjoy it not nearly as much as you did uh Understandably. I, my biggest problem with it is that after probably 45 minutes it just feels repetitive it feels like they're digging up the same shit throughout the entire time, which isn't unrealistic yeah. and not uninteresting. It's just I feel like they could have explored a little more, but instead they just kind of rehash the same thing mm-hmm. over and over. Um, but the performances are incredible. Uh, Zendaya, I believe, is what the uh, the kids are calling her, not Good Zendaya. Job, you you non boomer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, John David Washington, they're they're both great. Um, me being a filmmaker myself, I found it hard to not agree with John David Washington, even when he was being an asshole. Yeah. Um, like it, I would be like, you're being a little bit of an asshole, but what you're saying is kind yeah. of right. There's so. there's two different solid points of view there. Like yeah. One being like the person persons that we are seeing John David Washington's type of view. And then one kind of being more of the normal person seeing Stiggins and Zendaya's. Uh, I almost said Zendaya. I'm so Oh, you old. boomer. You boomer. Uh, but from her point of view. But yeah, I, I can understand for sure. Like it just kind of dragging 
besides yeah, the performances. But, but I, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean that's saying something. I I I thought it was really compelling. Uh, I loved John David Washington talking about old cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zendaya honestly lost me when she said no one cares about Citizen Kane. I was like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I care you, about Citizen Kane. You watch yourself now. <laughs> and then you turn into John David Washington when he started punching the air outside. Yeah. <laughs> honestly best part of the film yeah. is when he's when he's fighting the air i loved it um but yeah it's it's a solid film uh i definitely see why you loved it so much i just mm-hmm. had like slight problems with it uh then i watched the dig which is another movie that i feel like you loved um i thought it was good yeah I, oh you, you rated it higher than me for sure yeah uh, i i enjoyed it i did think it was kind of a little too slow moving yeah and uh kind of the thing that bothered me most, and I'm sure this wasn't said in the true story because this is based on a true story, but they find they, they think it's a Viking ship for a long time, or at least like the bad archaeologist thinks it's a Viking ship the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then they find art. And he's like, these people were people of culture. They weren't Vikings. I'm like, Vikings were people of culture. Yeah. Like, for if if a normal person had said that, it wouldn't have pissed me off. But because an archaeologist said that, who should have known better, mm-hmm. because Vikings had so much art and culture, that it just, I it kind of, you know, Especially irritated since me. Since you yourself are also a Viking, I'm a Viking, and I also <laughs> before I wanted to be a filmmaker, wanted to be an archaeologist. So history yeah. is very important to me. Yeah, and I, I think the the major aspect of that movie and why I liked it so much is because it was in its depths an archaeological film. Yeah, um, which I think is why I liked it so much because you don't it's, see many of those often. Yeah, it's the most uh, for technique wise, not so much um, information wise. Although it mm-hmm. could be, I just don't know enough about this specific dig. So you should you should have went to school. <laughs> I should have I should have. Um, but technique wise, with like the the painstaking brushing instead of just like huge digs it mm. is the most accurate film of the the art of archaeology uh maybe not the study i'm sure it's pretty accurate in the study other than that viking comment i just don't know enough about anglo-saxons to yeah. know for sure uh but yeah a really solid movie uh i do suggest it then we watched minari as you already stated mm-hmm. uh so that great as usual still really good uh, I had to hold back my tears in front of you guys, so you guys respect me. Um, I always will. <laughs> then I watched Edgar Wright's first film, which many of you will be like, Shaun of the Dead? You just watched that? No. I'm talking his film that he made when he was 21. He made a film called A Fistful of Fingers, <laughs> which which is exactly as it sounds like. It is a Western comedy uh, a la Edgar Wright style. Um, and legitimately like it's it's hilarious it's got a lot of hilarious points as, as you would expect uh, i don't think it aged very well um mainly because there is uh and i'm sure he would agree with this that it's it's bad uh now that there's like there's a, a guy uh a white man dressed up like an indian and everything mm-hmm. uh but i mean how many how many native americans are they uh having in in overseas overseas in england but again even i just said indian which is not the correct term so Mm -hmm. i apologize for that so it's it's honestly like i'm sure he is a little embarrassed at that but it's it was 95 that film came out not an excuse but understandable why it happened uh but other than that it's like it's pretty funny you could see where he got his techniques 
mm-hmm. from in like early on. Um, so yeah, I, I I think technique wise, it's better than any film I've ever made, but the writing lacks some. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Fistful of Fingers, you can actually watch that on YouTube. It's the, the whole film's on YouTube. Um, and then the next one I watch is The World to Come, which is a film with uh, Catherine Watterson and Vanessa Kirby where they live in uh, the mountains of New York in, like, the 1850s, I think it is, and uh, they fall in love. Um, I would, yeah. too, if I was acting with Vanessa Kirby. I would. I, I mean, uh, Catherine Waterston more for me. Like, yeah. I, uh, Vanessa Kirby's beautiful, but, like, I don't know. Something about Catherine Waterston. Yeah. Uh, and, tell us uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but th- I, I like honestly, I'm kind of tired of the forbidden love trope. Yeah. But this takes it to a, a different level where it, it's it's dark and more realistic and not just like there there's more to it than just oh society won't let us be together. Yeah. Um, like Catherine Waterston's husband reacts to their friendship a lot differently than Vanessa Kirby's husband does. I won't say any more than that. But like, there's, there's a a, a balance, and it, it goes places that are heartbreaking but beautiful and and tragic all at the same time. Uh, but a really solid film. I, I really enjoyed it. That is the world to come. Uh, then I watched a Italian film that is uh, nominated for a Golden Globe. I believe I could be wrong. Uh, if it's not, it is definitely uh, Italy's submission for the Oscar for international film, and that is The Life Ahead. It is a film with Sophia Loren, uh, where she kind of plays a uh, a woman who is charged with watching the kids of uh, prostitutes while they're off working. And oh. uh, it follows the one kid who's who's the the lead character in it, and mm-hmm. um, she's kind of in the beginning of suffering from uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. They don't really say what it is. Uh, I mean, my grandma died of dementia, so it kind of seemed like that. But also, they don't they don't give it a name in the film. Yeah. But it did remind me a lot of my grandma when she started going uh, downhill. Uh, but that was a really great film. I I highly suggest it. It's a you know, it's got beautiful cinematography, uh, more diverse than you would expect from a uh, Italian film, because um, the uh, the main kid is a Senegalese orphan, and uh, I mean that's that's based more on my that statement's based more on my ignorance of Italian film because I don't really see yeah. too many. But you think of like um, like uh, Life is Beautiful, where it's all just Italian people and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every other Italian film I've seen is just Italian people, but this has a uh, Senegalese um, immigrant in it, which was really cool to see. Yeah, that is really uh, nice. Yeah, so that is The Life Ahead. Then I watched Starman. We'll get to in a minute. I wa- Then I watched a movie, which I suspect you may have seen. I don't know for sure, uh, but it's a Western film, and I know your dad loves Westerns, uh, called The Wild Bunch. No? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, have to, I have to look it up. Uh, it, it's a film about a... Uh, a group of outlaws uh, who are trying to do one last job, but it goes horribly wrong. One last job. Uh, and essentially they're they're tricked into getting, stealing a bunch of washers instead of silver like they think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And um, so then they flee to Mexico and then get caught up in things and start doing another job. And I won't get too much into it, but it's, uh, it's on AFI's top 100 list. Um, so it's a very widely regarded Western film. Uh, I think it's great. It's, it's got, it's for 1969. It is extremely bloody. Um, 
Actually, and, I think and, I might have seen this, but maybe not with my dad, though. It, it is really good, so if you haven't seen it, I suggest you watch it. Uh, um, give it a look. Yeah, that, it's it's really good. Uh, then I watched a film, which I already discussed with you, called Abducted in Plain Sight, mm-hmm. which is a documentary. Many people have already seen it. This was kind of big on Netflix when it came out, about a, a girl who was abducted not once, but twice by a family friend because her parents trusted him too much. And... I'm not saying that it is because they are Mormon, but all Mormons that I know on a personal level are trusting to a fault. Mm-hmm. And that mixed with the whole, they're from Idaho, the whole Idaho, uh, oh, you keep our doors unlocked at all times because our neighbors are, you know, kind people mentality. Um, you know, that doesn't really fly here on the East Coast. You yeah, can't anybody, trust... Anybody normally with that type of mentality... It has something mentality. They have something men, men, ment, mental, mentally. Yeah, mental. <laughs> well, a, a lot of it. A lot of it is that they're they're they think locking their doors is a form of submitting to the horrors of the world. Like I was watching uh, something on the Night Stalker, which is this, uh, the serial killer uh, who like painted satanic symbols at his killings and everything in the eighties in, in Los Angeles, and one of the uh victims uh was um her granddaughter was being interviewed and she said that her grand her grandmother just never locked her doors because she was from Kansas and moved out there to be closer to family and she said oh i don't want to live in fear you know you you can't live in fear i i never locked my doors in Kansas i'm not going to do it here i understand that grandma but you're in los angeles right now yeah, this is why we had so this many is, serial killers. Yeah, like this is different. Just never got caught. <laughs> and and ultimately, she got killed because she didn't lock her doors. Granted, with the Night Stalker, if he really wanted to, he probably would have just broken anyway. Yeah, it's true. But, but her it's, door it's being an unlocked from them doing such a thing. Yes, like hey, it, it, you might have heard him trying to break in and gotten your gun and mm-hmm. fought him off. Instead, they could just walk in and be like, "Yeah, how do you do?" But and yeah, so, stab you in the gut. <laughs> So, so the, I'm not going to get too much into it, but the, with abducted in plain sight, like they trusted him, uh, they knew that he had, uh, you know, a sexual infatuation with their daughter. He said he was getting help from a therapist, and part of the therapist's prescription was to spend time with her alone. They trusted that for some god awful reason. Yeah, that's. I mean, and like I, I would understand like. I, I, I wouldn't do this, but I would understand if they're like, oh, uh, you have to spend time with her. I will be there when you spend time with her just to mm-hmm. try to get over this. I would never do that with, with my kids, but I would understand someone saying that. But not yeah. to let him take her away to go horseback riding on a school night, no less, and then, you know, fuck off to Mexico for two weeks. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't necessarily plan to have kids at any point, but like that wouldn't even be my mentality to even like, yeah. put that person near my kid. Oh no, I, least, I, like, I would it, cut it, it off ties my with my supervision of seeing something. Yeah, or, I would I would cut off ties with them so fast. Especially like sleeping in the same bed as my child. Oh yeah, that, that was another thing. Like, that's it, a that's a huge fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> and and that was part of the thing he said. He said, "Oh yeah, she." Uh, they said I need to sleep in her bed, uh, and uh, to try to get over this. And it's just like. I understand no. <laughs> you don't want to live in a world where you can't trust people, but guess what? You live in a world where you can't trust people. Yeah, sadly, and so, that's a thing. But like the the good thing about it, and again to to kind of build Mormons back up, the family mm-hmm. 
seems all good with each other. Like they've all kind of gone through their shit and they're, they're still a, a, a loving family. That probably would not fly literally with any other religion, but Mormonism has, is such strong family values that, you know, kudos to them for getting, being able to get over that. Yeah. Um, cause that, that is, that's impressive that they all still love each other. Cause you know, I, I can't say I would be in the same boat. No, I, I would be in a different state completely. Yeah. Uh, of, but, of mind and, uh, exactly. living. <laughs> Anyway, that's all I watched for this week, other than, you know, the countless true crime shit. I've been getting into true crime for some reason. I don't know why. Man, we all have our phases. Yeah. Um, let's get into some news. I only got one quick thing of news. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't really have anything at all. So the movie Nobody, the the uh, Bob Odenkirk, John Wick-esque movie called mm-hmm. Nobody coming out, uh, has actually moved up a week in release. Oh. Uh, so it moved up from April 2nd to March 26th. Their reasoning is to not compete with Godzilla, which I completely understand. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think this is the first time a film has moved up instead of being pushed back Yeah. since the pandemic started, and that is a huge step, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, and, and this one advertises it is only being released in theaters. It is not going to be released on VOD for a while. That's nice. Uh, so, like... This is giving me some light. I kind of wanted to bring that up because our news has been very depressing lately. Mm-hmm. So nobody is being pushed up one week, and I'm excited. I really want to see that. So I'm, I'm yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that either too. Yeah, uh, well, but, let's, uh, let's make well, a little date. Absolutely, uh, we're already doing that now. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I got. You, you said you don't have anything, right? Uh, no, I didn't see anything this week. I feel like I'm missing something, but it's it's past my head. All Completely right. gone to the moon. Well, let's get into. Starman. In 1977, Voyager 2 was launched into space to the outermost regions of the universe. It carried an invitation in all languages for alien life forms to visit our planet. Someone, somewhere, listened and accepted our invitation. Someone is coming. Someone like no one she has ever known before. Can you clone a living organism from the hair of a dead man? We're hypothesizing a technology that's probably 100,000 years ahead of us. He has powers we cannot imagine, and the face and touch of the man she loved. I sent greetings. What's the matter with you? How much English do you understand? I understand readings in 54 planet Earth languages. Do you seriously expect me to tell the President that an alien has landed, assumed the identity of a dead house painter, and is presently out tooling around the countryside in a hopped-up 1977 Mustang? You're not from around here, are you? Starman, an alien takes the form of a young widow's husband and makes her drive him across the country. The government tries to stop them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really That's, to it's the point. It's a very awkward synopsis. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really to the point. It really is. Uh, it's directed by John Carpenter, written by Bruce A. Evans and uh, Reynold Gideon, or Gideon, Jesus, Gideon. Uh, stars Jeff Bridges, Karen Allen, uh, Charles Martin Smith, uh, we have uh, Richard Jekyll, uh, Robin Phelan. Um, there's not really other too many big names in the cast, honestly. Yeah. Just, just a lot of other people more than mm-hmm. anything. Um, but definitely the main people here are Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. Yeah. Um, 
You know, uh, there, there's something about we've we've actually watched uh, a couple John Carpenter movies. I feel like um, during did. this podcast, and there's something that I never really noticed. But you, you know, it, uh, with it with the territory, it comes with it. John Carpenter definitely has a style in all of his films, and maybe mm-hmm. it's like his soundtrack or the cinematography that he does. But he for sure has a style, and this kept with it, even though it didn't feel like you know, as much of a John Carpenter film as yeah. the rest of them. This is, we discussed this uh, last week when we picked it. It is rated PG, although by today's standards, I believe it would be PG-13. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is the closest to a family film John Carpenter, to my knowledge, has ever made and probably will ever make. Yeah. Um, so a, a little history of the uh, PG-13 rating. So this came out uh, December 14th, 1984. May... Uh, of 1984 uh indiana jones temple of doom came out and that was rated (laughs) pg and for those of you who have seen it know that that like six-year-olds should not watch that probably yeah Uh, it's it's full of like violence and gore uh not not uh, gratuitous amounts but it like you know pg-13 level amounts so that was rated pg and that created a huge huff and puff from parents being like oh i took my kids to see this uh, mm-hmm. Even though PG stands for a parental guardian, which means you should watch this before showing your kids. Yep. Making PG-13 completely redundant, in my opinion. Um, but it's it's uh, it caused enough of a, uh, you know, uh, uproar that they created PG-13 that summer. And in August of 1984, the movie Red Dawn became the first PG-13 movie to be released. Um <laughs> And uh, yes, Starman back then, since that was the first year, they're still kind of figuring out what needed to be PG 13 or what warranted PG 13. You could definitely see with Red Dawn and Temple of Doom, they were focusing more on violence at first. Yeah. And uh, this isn't super violent, but it is, it's not even like super sexual either, but it's, uh, you know, it's got more sex than uh, any Pixar movie has. For sure. Um, so by today's standards, this would be PG-13. Yeah, and this also I don't definitely know. had a lot of lot of guns going on in it, too, and yeah. fire. Like, yeah, uh, but like it's it's not like uh, in Red Dawn, you actually see people get shot. Like there's mm-hmm. not there's not blood or anything, but you see people get shot in this. There's gunfire, but no one really gets shot. Well, you say that, but a huge plot point has someone getting shot. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Other, well, other than that, <laughs> other, other than I, that. I, th- I think the point is that she doesn't die. I mean, we already yeah. said spoilers. Karen yeah. Allen gets shot by a shotgun, uh, by uh, <laughs> by, by the police, by to... by Hitchcock from Brooklyn Nine Nine. If anyone's ever seen that show, nice. Um, have you seen that show? I, I've seen it. I just okay. uh, totally so, phased out of that. One knowing. of the one of the back uh, the the smaller characters in Brooklyn Nine Nine is called Hitchcock, and he's just like a gross human of a, a human being. And it's, it's uh, hilarious to see him playing a cop in this as well. Uh, gross in a funny way. He's not like mm-hmm. rapey, but he, he definitely talks, talks, thinks he's like a master of sex and everything. Um, but yeah, what do what'd you think of this overall? I'm sorry. I realize I've been talking for a long no, time. You're fine. I was, I was just thinking how mortal Kombat kind of did the same thing for games with the whole PG 13 thing. Yeah, um, and how over the top that went. That was lost in that for a second. But yeah, this 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 movie, uh, f- for sure, it doesn't. It's like you said, it doesn't really, like, feel like a, at least like a John Carpenter film as far as you know the story goes, because you know it's the most family 
thing he's ever done so far, at least yeah. that I've I've seen from his movies. Um, but at the same time, with the style that I was talking about earlier, the style of the film and the soundtrack and all that, it is for sure John Carpenter film. Especially weirdly when the 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 alien turns into Jeff Bridges, it's like a little baby. Oh yeah, that like, turns it's, into a man, and it's it's, it's kind of reminded me of like the thing yeah, special effects. Exactly. Uh, funnily, like, funnily enough, you mentioned the the score. Um, John Carpenter usually does his own score, but he didn't do his score for this one. That's interesting because you definitely would think with all the synth and stuff like that that yeah. he would. Yeah, it definitely sounds like his score. Um, um but yeah, it, that that moment does definitely feel like a John Carpenter when uh, it goes from being a baby to a grown naked man yes yeah, baby to a boy to a man that fast <laughs> um i i actually i was really kind of digging this movie to be honest with you um yeah i was liking it more than i expected to i saw that it obviously had a high score but you know watching it i don't know if it's just karen allen's like big doe eyes and me wanting to like just hug her all the time or <laughs> i don't know but uh, jeff bridges was just like so innocent playing an alien but like yeah he pulled it off well to make it not feel kind of robotic just definitely like obviously out of this world yeah it's it's definitely um as much as i love galaxy quest they Mm -hmm. definitely feel robotic yeah and i wouldn't have it any other way because it's kind of a a uh slapstick of uh like they're mimicking the movements of of people on uh, a, a tv show uh in this he's watching someone in real life and uh, it definitely feels more like a creature just learning rather than a, a robot. Yeah. So like, that that whole thing was pretty cool. Him, like, their their journey to Arizona um, to try to... And then, like, him learning about, you know, the human race and how to speak and how to, like, do things, like, tell people to fuck off and... Or up, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, up yours and, and stuff like that. It was, it was, a, it was a nice little relationship that... Uh, they they were kind of growing together, but like yeah. I mean, for me it did get a little obviously weird toward the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I understand. You know, she just lost her husband, and now she's got this uh, this alien form taking. That looks you know, exactly like him. Just looks like him, and he's innocent and adorable, um, and he's Jeff Bridges. So, <laughs> um, so like I understand, but like at a certain point, you know, this relationship grows in in such an intense manner, and he learns he learns how to kiss from a, a nice movie on the TV in the in the in the motel, and then uh, eventually things get a little consensual, and uh, <laughs> and then you best know. way to put <laughs> sexual relations things get a little consensual, they get a little consensual, <laughs> you know, and then uh, eventually you find out that uh, <clears throat> Karen Allen, Allen's character actually can't have kids, and you know what? Alien Jeff Bridges is going to fix that baby with a baby implanted in her. (laughs) The one thing I thought was pretty uh, impressive was the progressive conversation they had about it. Like, like they, they obviously have sex with consent. She thinks that she can't have a kid. Mm -hmm. So he impregnates her, but then he also says, uh, Hey, if you don't want it, let me know when I will stop it. Yeah. Also her body, her choice, man. Yeah, Yeah. Get it. (laughs) <laughs> for, and for sure, like, we're saying impregnates, but, like, it was, like, they were, like, in a train, like, the, their whole relationship grew. It wasn't just, like, he's, like, you know, 
laser beamed her vagina and said, well, yes, baby. <laughs> see, that might have been what happened. And, you know, it's just true. a very, very gentle and, and loving yeah. he laser beam. He definitely <laughs> says, hey, you're having a baby after they just had sex. So like, yeah. it's, it's not like they just, you know, probed her and gave her a baby or anything. No, no. It, it, it was, as you said, yeah. things start was, getting consensual. Yeah. Th- it, he was a human. She was a human. They did human things, you know, human, <laughs> you know, the human, human race must survive. <laughs> we must repopulate. And that's what he did. But with his alien sperm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I always well, know how to make it weird as shit. Yeah. It's also uh, her husband's yes. DNA because he is technically genetically her husband at that yeah. point. And um, he even says anything that... Uh, Anything that he, his mind, his, his, like, his body, like, he feels and he does everything that, you know, Jeff, if he was an actual human, you know, that's what would be happening. So, like, yeah. the kid's, the kid's definitely human, but he's also an alien because mm-hmm. he's also an alien, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed throughout John Carpenter's career is that he has no respect for macho men in a good way. Like, I, I love it because, like... Mm-hmm. All of the the Macho Men characters are like completely without redeeming qualities at all. Yeah, and uh, this is no exception. Obviously, with the uh, the Deer Hunter, uh, not to be confused with Robert De Niro in the Deer Hunter, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he uh, you know is just kind of an asshole the whole time. Makes fun of him for not really knowing English, and grabs his cheeks and squeezes him like he's yeah. A tall and and with a small I've child. noticed he kind of does that like in. His his more violent movies, the macho characters are always like the first to die. Mm-hmm. Like in the thing, the ones who are, you know, like, oh, I'm a man, I'm gonna fight this. They're always like the first ones to die. Yeah. And uh, uh, just a little uh, trademark that I noticed. It might not be intentional, but yeah, that's a good eye. I didn't really yeah. notice that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's a pretty good eye. I like it. I like okay. it. Yeah. Um. Trying to figure out where to go from what I had spoke about to what. <laughs> well, the, I, one thing I thought was uh, interesting. This might not be. This might be taking us even more off topic. I apologize. No, it's... But uh, the uh, Jeff Bridges using a TV like a touchscreen, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, whether it was a prediction of touchscreens or just, you know, him magically changing. I mean, he was magically changing the channels regardless. But I don't know if that was like, oh, this is going to be a thing one day, or he just doesn't know better, so he's just change, changing channels on his own. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he definitely has some sort of like uh, intergalactic powers, at least with electronics and stuff like that, because he can do the touch screens with the, uh, you know, with the TV. He could turn the car on by just touching the key when it was in the ignition. He could win the jackpot, baby, when he was at Vegas and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, it, it was pretty cool trying, like, slowly learning a little bit about his his race as far as, you know, an alien would go. But you never actually see his form or anything like that, which mm-hmm. is kind of also pretty cool. But you, you always, deep down, you always wish that you could always get a glimpse of what he actually looked like. Mm-hmm. He's probably some, like, super ugly being, and then Karen Allen would have like been like <laughs> i slept with that well I, I think he was just that that light energy in the beginning the light energy that's like flo- floating around um interesting unless that was just like his spirit leaving his physical form i don't know they never really talk about it but that's what i thought 
Yeah, I know. Um, I know. In the beginning of the movie, when he was kind of walking around, he had two eyes because they were looking through his point of view. Yeah. Um, just you don't know. You know, you don't know. You, you don't. Always, know. You always kind of long for that information. Yeah. Like, are aliens even real? Yeah. Now, now you were talking about how the uh, the consensual scene, <laughs> uh, which is what it will be called from now on, uh, was weird. It's still not the weirdest part of this movie to me. The weirdest part of this movie is when uh, Karen Allen talks to the uh, agent for, uh, of Homeland Security or National Security, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of helps them out because he realizes that they're not a harm and he knows that the FBI or CIA or whatever is going to come and try to kill him. Um, and then she just like kisses him on the mouth. A guy she just met, she kisses him on the mouth, which is weird. And then that somehow makes Jeff Bridges following her lead and kissing him on the mouth less weird. Yeah, because it was was a weird thing for for her to do. It makes more sense for him to do it in that moment. And then Jeff Bridges did it, and then it was hilarious. Yeah, Um, but when, when she kissed him, I was just like, why? Did people in the 80s just smooch each other? Well, that's that's also a point that I also want to get across is that every man in this movie kind of just does things for Karen Allen's character without even second guessing it, you know. Well, she is the only woman in the. You know, like uh, for it, instance, it, you if... have to head see full cast to see another woman. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance, like uh, the the guy driving her to the blockade, right? She's just like, you need to do something for me. And the, my man goes back to the car and commits a, a felony. Oh, yeah. My man lights <laughs> up a gasoline tank, throws it like 20 feet away and just explodes and then drives away. And my it's m- not like he's in a car that's going to blend in easily. He's, oh, in, yeah. a he's in a hot rod. rod. <laughs> <laughs> my man yeah. just drove away, too. And <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like, I sat there. I was like. Did he just do that? <laughs> and <laughs> like, you know, the military weird. just chased his ass right after that. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it, it definitely made for funny moments that these men like didn't second guess anything she said. So, and they oh, just, a like, woman's asking me to do something? Well, might as well. Yeah. I got nothing else going on. <laughs> might as well throw this gas can 15 feet away. Yeah. Here's some shrapnel in my eye. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, I did like this movie. It was it was very funny at times watching Jeff Bridges kind of like walk around and, and learn things and be such a goober. But my I think my favorite scene is obviously the consensual stuff. I sent you a photo of what I looked like watching that scene, and it was just yeah. me with my eyes wide open, like, in bed, just like, uh. But <laughs> my favorite part was actually right after that, when the man just got done laying the pipe, the alien pipe. and <laughs> The then, laser pipe? Yeah, the laser, the laser beam pipe. And then just the grin on Jeff Bridges' face, like, whenever the, when the scene ends, and he's just so giddy and smiley, like, he just, he's like, I mean, it's just like any other, like, teenager, you just had sex. (laughs) My man's face was so happy that he just did that, (laughs) and I've never related more to anything else in movie history than that. (laughs) And that's Uh, just me, though. (laughs) uh, So I am convinced now that you said that, that that uh, that smile is the sole reason that Jeff Bridges was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role Mm -hmm. in the 1985 Oscars. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, (laughs) you know, we know that he lost to F. Murray Abraham, obviously. Who who doesn't know that? That's the real question. Who doesn't know such a thing? Yeah. um, Weirdos. (laughs) But, yeah, it's that's just... 
I, I I like this movie, but I look at this uh, this performance. It's not a bad performance, but I'm like, is this really in the top five? Uh, yeah, I don't performances of that year. That's, that's a bit weird. I don't really think so. But yeah. uh, then again, I wasn't born yet. I was born nine years later. What do I know? Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much more to talk about. I think. Nor do I. All right, well, let's just jump into it. You see, yeah. Willie. Let's get into the judgment. As always, this has to be a uh, what's the word? Mutual, uh, unanimous. That's mm-hmm. it. There it is. Unanimous decision to go onto the shelf and become a shelf boy with the likes of Apostle and Victoria. Ooh, Ooh that was you last threw me week's. For a loop there. I did. I, was, I, I did. Loop de loop and pull. Uh, so, Glenn, since this was your pick, you go first. Is Starman a shelf boy? You know, funny enough, I, I'm actually, like, I'm not lying about this one. Like, I'm actually having a hard time deciding. Like, uh, you don't really necessarily see very many, like, kind of family-friendly John Carpenter movies, and I did enjoy this. I definitely, the style felt like John Carpenter, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the duo here, uh, Karen Allen and Jeff Bridges. Uh, this the story could have probably been, you know, a little bit better as far as, like, maybe getting more stuff, maybe, like, a, you know, him learning more and stuff like that. But for what for what we got, like, it was definitely a very fun movie. And it, it has me, you know, uh, tugging at strings here because I don't know which string to pull for uh, out of the two here. So I would yeah. like... Um, well, if it helps you at all. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this movie. I mm-hmm. think it's a fun movie. I think it's a movie people should watch. But it's not incredible. Yeah, it's not overwhelmingly um, awesome. You know? Yeah, there's, there's not enough different about it for me to be like, oh, this is really different. John Carpenter doing a slightly family film is not like, ooh, shelf-worthy. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm going to say no just because I am... You know, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but it's it's just, it, I feel like it could have been better. You know, I I, I feel that, cousin, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm pretty much feel the same way. I do yeah. I do recommend this to people as far as like you know, you know, it's like a nice little family film. But like as far as being on a shelf or anything, like I'm not gonna probably pick it off from time to time. Yeah, like, this movie's amazing. I so agree. That, yeah. So Starman does not make it onto the shelf with the likes of Victoria and Handmaiden. Ooh, I switch it up again. You got me. I'm get. I keep getting you. That brings us to our plugs for this week. Lenjamin Button, what is your plug for this week? Well, I bring some sad news. I really do. <gasps> I do. As as at least uh, most of you know, I think yesterday, uh, Daft Punk has announced that they. Are basically retiring. They're they're splitting up. They're, oh, is they're... that why I kept seeing Daft Punk everywhere? Yeah, that's that's exactly why. So after 28 years of being the hit group, you know, of of tech music and stuff like that, or whatever genre you want to label it as, they're splitting up. Whether or not they uh, go separate ways and do their own things, who knows? But I think they might be done. Um, but they put out a little epilogue, a little a little going away present. Um, to, to fans at least announcing that they are departing from each other. And honestly, not a word is said in this video, but it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes because it's mm. so sad. And it's on YouTube. It's called Daft Punk Epilogue, you know? Yeah. And it's just really heartbreaking because I, I love their music, you know? At least I, I know a good portion of people really do. 
I am indifferent to it, but I, you know, I, I know the feeling of when a mm-hmm. group, uh, musical group or artist you really like is breaking up. So, yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, so Daft Punk epilogue that is on YouTube. That is Glenn's plug. Uh, Glenn, I'm going to need your help for my plug. Okay. So I need you to pick between uh, music or movies. I feel like we've been talking about music a lot lately. Okay. So maybe movie. Okay. So that gets rid of one out of three choices. Okay. Should I go old school or new school? What's wrong with old, baby? We'll go with old? Old is just a number. It's funny. You probably picked the most boring of all my plugs, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so my plug is just to remind everyone that Netflix still ships DVDs. Uh, there are thousands, if not millions, probably just thousands of movies out there that are not available for streaming. And you have to pay like four bucks to watch or tag not an ad <laughs> or not an ad. Or you could subscribe to their DVD service for like, I think it's like 10 bucks a month and get on average one a week. So four a month mm-hmm. and see all the movies that you, uh, that would otherwise cost you what's four times four. That's 16. Yep. Uh, that cost you $16 and you only get it for $10. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So that is their DVD.com service, which is, uh, still part of Netflix and people think that it's no longer a thing, but it is a thing. Yeah, no, that's pretty. That's pretty cool, actually, that they're still doing that. Yeah, I remember the old days in the late two thousands when my mom would just get a new DVD every week to a, yeah. to see a movie. And there, we're a long way away if it ever does come back to like a blockbuster store type mm-hmm. coming back. I don't think it will come back. I, I would. Sadly, I would love I don't it think to. So either. I would love it to, but I don't. This is the next best thing. Yeah, we're uh, all introverts now. Yes, we we're don't all really introverts. Go out. Uh, so yes, DVD.com, which is a Netflix DVD service. It's you know their old service, just on a a different website. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is my plug for this week. Right. Uh, I would have had to spend five dollars to watch The Wild Bunch if I didn't get it on Netflix. There, so, there you go. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. So those are our plugs for this week. That brings us to our assignment for next week. It is streaming roulette week. Yep. It's been doing things the past it's few been, times we've done it it's been going spastic the last few weeks yes, here so we are going to see as uh for those of you who are not aware of how this works we spin the netflix roulette wheel three times and we pick which or sorry streaming roulette sorry mm-hmm. sorry streaming roulette we spin it three times and then we pick which of those three we would rather watch uh the streaming sites that could be available our Prime Video, Apple TV+, Plus, the Criterion Channel, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and Netflix, which I understand why they expanded it from, expanded it from just Netflix roulette. There's a lot um, now. Yeah, so without any further ado, here comes our first spin. Uh, Onibaba. It, is, it looks like a Japanese film. 64? Yes. Okay. Nice little classic. Oh, wow. Nice, uh, a horror drama. Horror drama from Japan, uh, directed by Kaneto Shindo, written by Kaneto Shindo. Uh, it is got a 8.0 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, no Metacritic score, but you know, it's an old movie, so I'm not surprised. Uh, hold on, we let me see where we would need to watch this because you might on need HBO Max, and I do not oh, have that. We have uh, it is on a Criterion channel as well. Oh, sweet, succulent so, lord, sweet, succulent lord. Uh, so that's Onibaba. Two women kill samurais and tell their belongings or sell their belongings uh, for a living. 
While one of them is having an affair with their neighbor, the other woman meets a mysterious samurai wearing a bizarre mask. This sounds really interesting. Yeah, I really like that one so far. Yeah, so at the very least, we got one good one. Mm -hmm. But let's see what else we can spin. Spin number two. Cold water. Uh, well, hold on. 94, so we're good on that. Uh, 2013. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it is a drama thriller. Uh, it is available on Amazon Prime. Directed by Vincent Grashaw and written by Vincent Grashaw and Mark Penny. A teenage boy is sent to juvenile reform facility in the wilderness. As we learn about the tragic events that sent him there, his struggles his struggle becomes one for, for survival with the inmates, counselors, and the retired war colonel in charge. That sounds interesting, too. We got two interesting ones so yeah. far. Uh, so, spin numero trio. Don Verdine. I have seen this one. I can tell you it is the directors of Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. Uh, and uh, Nacho Libre. Well, it's got Sam Rockwell. It's, it's got Sam Rockwell and Jermaine Clement. It is directed by Jared Hess and written by Jared Hess and Jerusha Hesh, Hess. Starring Sam Rockwell, Amy Ryan, Will Forte, Danny McBride, Jermaine Clement. A uh, whole bunch of people. Don Verdine is about a self-professed biblical archaeologist who has fallen on hard times, starts to bend the truth in order to continue continue inspiring the faith uh that one is available on let's see that is on on netflix so those are our three choices honestly after a few weeks where we had to cheat the system yeah (laughs) we got a few good picks here uh so out of all of them don verdine cold water and onibaba which one would you rather watch um honestly onibaba i am 100 percent on board that um, that's that's the one I was hoping you would pick. Yeah, the but, other ones don't sound that bad, but I definitely we definitely uh How can we, we pass a, up an eight out of ten rating? Yeah, we got a really nice draw on that and one. And it's and really it's cool. on Criterion Channel, which means it's at least classically good and not yeah. like we might not like it, but it a lot of people like it enough to be on Criterion Channel. For sure, uh, yeah. So we are going to watch Ani Onibaba on Criterion Channel. If you don't have Criterion Channel but you have HBO Max, it is on there. Uh, both of those, I believe, you can get a week subscription. Actually, HBO Max, you might not be able yeah, to anymore. Yeah, I think you can. Um, but, you know, there's always rental options as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is going to be our selection for next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can check out our website, www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we divine Onibaba. What is Onibaba? That's what we'll find out. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.